There's no better way to live on this planet than as a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Uh, I tried it as a young man. It was not good. All I did was break stuff. Now, you know, when you're an idiot, you think you're cool. And uh, you think you're in charge. And you think you're uh, doing pretty good. But then you begin to realize, wait a minute. I'm like going nowhere really fast. Every, my dreams don't come to pass. I started to hurt my life, hurt my wife. It would have eventually hurt my kids. But I met Jesus Christ. Raise your hand if you've met Jesus. I'm including all of you by television and streaming. Uh, isn't it great to be a born-again Christian? Wow, what a day. What a deal, man. And thank God for people like uh, Pastor Mac Hammond. Uh, he wasn't my pastor, but I had a pastor just like him. When I come out of Vietnam, I got stationed uh, to do certain work at Camp Pendleton, which is in California, at the Marine Corps base. And uh, I was born again then, but let me help you with something. Just because you're born again does not mean you are fixed yet. You can go ahead and look around for a minute and help me preach a little bit. <clears throat> How many of you found that to be true? Now, I don't just say that about my testimony. You have to get ready to understand this if you don't, because there's an influx. There's, a, there's an indraft. Sinners are going to run upon us people, and I'm not sure we're all ready for that. They're desperate. You think you're facing warfare, and you are. Sad times. These are tough times to live, even if everything's going good for you. It's still a tough day to live. And uh, Satan, he's launching everything he's got right now uh, against even the body of Christ. But sinners, what do they have? I'm, I did a calculus. No offense to anybody. Their laboratories have failed them. I'm almost 70. I don't think we've come up with, with a cure for a disease in my lifetime, though billions of dollars have been spent. I'm glad. Keep spending. Keep researching. And may you find the answers. God bless you. But if that's, if that's your God, I'm dying and I'm hoping they're going to find a cure for before I die. Or how about our government? I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Oh, I do care, but <laughs> you can look at either side. It doesn't matter. The government, they're not our God. And, and sinners are learning this. And I can go on. I mean, everywhere you turn. And if you think you and I are, are, are up against things... What about the person that does not know Jesus Christ? They have no hope. There's no hope in them. On the way over here, you know, um, we're blessed to fly a ministry aircraft, so we're not, you know, we get to pray and, and study and stuff while you fly. I wish, I wish everybody could do that. And uh, on the way over, I was re-listening to your pastor's message that he just preached down at Brother Copeland's uh, Minister's Conference. And uh, my family, you know, you, you try not to have favorites because all of those speakers are top-notch, you know, that whole, that whole week. Now, Brother Copeland, uh, he, he ODs on the Word of God. <laughs> I mean, he has like four or five sessions a day, and you're okay with that until you find someone with no quitting sense. That'll set on you about midnight. But... Uh, one of our favorites is your pastor. And I was re-listening to your message on the way over here uh, that you preached there. Man, that was, 
is, is powerful. But he talked about the mystery of this great gospel, the Christ that's in you and me. It is. But I like what he said. It's not really supposed to be a mystery to us. You're supposed to be taught and know about this. And someone said, well, you know, Brother Barclay, I would love to be a witness, but I'm not real good at that. Yeah, you are, because you're a Christian. You cross the line. You denounce Christ, uh, the Antichrist, and you announce Christ as your Lord. You're a perfect person to witness to everybody because you've already been there, done that. All you got to do is tell your story, right, and how Jesus rescued you. Even, I've been in church this morning, so I learned this. Even if it's from, uh, you know, sinship like me, I mastered that. Or even if you're one of God's chosen frozen, there's help for all of us <laughs> to be delivered. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then I got, I got reading, um, the other day I got reading Brother Copeland's magazine, uh, Victory, Voice of Victory magazine. And uh, your pastor, he's been in that magazine before. But he was in it this time again. And I, I, uh, I don't know if it was sacrilegious, but I tore the page. Don't tell Brother Copeland, okay? I tore the one page out of his magazine. It was all good. And uh, just in case he's listening sometime, Brother Copeland, it was all good. But I want to read this to you as introducing the heart of my message to you today. This is from your, your pastor. For believers... Success means the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. I love that. It means peace. Say peace. peace. Joy. Joy. Contentment. Contentment. Health. Prosperity. Prosperity. And protection. protection. It's the life every one of us wants to live, he writes. But this kind of success isn't automatic. Now, a lot of Christians think that because they're born again, everything's going to be great. But no, this is a lifetime walk with God. And it's worth it because you're walking towards heaven and, you, and you're working against hell. Can I have an amen on it? Then he says, every day Christians find themselves besieged by evil instead of experiencing success. Remember his definition of success the life all of us want to live. Why, he asked. Because the God kind of success is only available to believers who make God a stronghold in their lives. And then in the article, um, it goes on to talk. He, he defines for us what a stronghold is. What, what, that, what does that mean? And I got reading that. It's, it's not, it wasn't my first time through, but coming over here, I was reading it. And uh, it hit me hard about, about evil and wrongdoers and perpetrators and infiltrators and deserters and betrayers and gossipers and malicious gossipers. Because wouldn't it be great for you and me to say that none of that has ever existed in the born-again church? We, we met Jesus and we're all perfect. No, no. No, 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 no. Don't look, don't look at me with that tone of face. <laughs> we're not calling your name out, but maybe we could on some things. I'm not sure. And so the Bible says this to us. I know you know these verses because you said under one of the, 
uh, no flattery intended. I'm not a flattery guy. But you said under one of the greatest teaching priests in America, maybe in the world. I, I think you know that if you go to church here all the time. If you're visiting or streaming, you don't know that. You need to get plugged in. And by the way, when you find what you're looking for, quit looking. Isn't that good? Quit looking. In a marriage, it's called adultery. If you found what you was looking for and you get married and then you're still looking, there's nothing right about this. And it's true in the spirit realm as well. Just a little plug in there to help those of you that you have the nomad drifting spirit upon you to do something about that. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, one of my favorite chapters, I want to refer to it. It talks about standing in the evil day. Stand in the evil day. It goes on to say, in fact, after you have done all you know to do to stand, he's talking about spiritually, to stand. Now, you've done everything you know to do, everything you've been taught. You've given it all you got, and you're still told to stand. But if you look carefully in that, it means to stand back up. I love the verse. It's one of my favorites. The great prophet of old said, don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I have fallen, I shall rise back up again. That's the spirit of this church. That's the spirit of the true body of Christ. That's the spirit of your pastor. Catch that spirit. Because some things you can be taught and get all the information, but there's just certain elements in this kingdom, they have to be caught. You got you to catch that. And, and, and let the spirit of your mind be a victor. Isn't it amazing? I wasn't raised in church, but maybe some of you were. Uh, I've been told before that even some people, that they went to church and, were, and they were raised in church, but it wasn't a church that was alive, we'll say, not picking anybody. It wasn't a church that had faith taught. It, victory wasn't taught. The music wasn't alive. Most of the people weren't alive, Right? <laughs> And even God said he would not come and stand in the congregation of the dead. Did you know that's in here? And so you, I, I've been told that even some people raised in the gospel, we'll call it, raised in church, it was as difficult for them to redo their mind and get rid of some of those old man-made religious doctrines and, and get back in the flow as difficult as it was for me, a blatant sinner with no church whatsoever. I went to church one time growing up, and that was to get married. But believe me, that was for picture-taking purposes only. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. It's just that my parents, uh, we weren't raised that way. By the way, I was talking to pastor about this, uh, you, you know, in the, in, this morning. I said, you know, I, I lived in a war zone for two years, not being born again for most of it. Now, I met Jesus there, and I'm glad about that, the personal, and I've never turned back. So when, they, when people talk to you about foxhole conversions, they don't all drift. I'm still one that kept my word since 1972, and I have never turned back. I met Jesus Christ. Clap real good. Everybody clap once. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for it, you know? But anyways, uh, we're fighting evil now. I won't just cut to the chase. We're fighting evil. I don't think you need me to come here and tell you that. We're fighting this. We have to stand back up again. 
We have, things are going to knock you down. That's not a bad confession. It's like, you know, it's going to happen. It does happen. Life happens. Life happens. And things happen. And the Bible says in these verses that I refer to, it says you got to be able to stand in the evil day. The evil day. Now, all generations have had bad things, plagues, sicknesses. Some had pandemics. Some had world war. We know that. But the Bible refers to the day you're living in as the day of great perils. Perilous times. That's more than one time. Perilous times would come to we, the last day's people. But you know, there, there's, there's really no greater There's no greater thing that I can think of than to be a last day saint and let your light shine to climax climax the ages. Lift your hands to him once and say, anoint me right now to win people and to live good. Come on, you can ask him right out of your own heart. Oh yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To stand in the evil day or to stand back up again. As a kid, I played uh, sports, you know, growing up. And it wasn't too bad, you know. I played uh, about everything. I played football, and I remember this one football coach I had. I was the smallest guy in our team. And, uh, and I was a running back. And he said, now, one day he put his arm around me, you know, big old coach, and I'm just a little guy like in 10th grade or something. He puts his arm around me. He says, I want you to take a good look out there at that field. Yes, sir, I did. I want you to take a good look at this opposing team. I did, yes, sir. I want you to take a good look at the biggest guys out there. I said, okay. He goes, they want to kill you. (laughs) Their coach has told them to smash you. So, Mark, when you get the football and you run, run. Like, run to that goalpost. Don't even look back because they want to smush you. So hard you can't run the next play. I thought, well, all I want to do is play football. I thought this was a game. This was for fun. And he said, now listen, when they tackle you, I want to see when you run that ball, man, I want to see your knees high. And if you get tackled and they start peeling these big guys off from you, you better be laying down there and your feet are going like this constantly because (laughs) that's what you got to do to do your job. Well, that's kind of like what we're doing. You're going to have frustrations. We're not putting that on you. We're praying that off from you. You're going to have some anxiety. Things aren't, have you noticed it? I think if you're seven years old or above, you have probably noticed that not everything always goes good and there's some great disappointments in the earth. But just like Pastor Matt put the verses up earlier, but he's overcome. All we got to do is be in him, do what he did. Can I have a better amen on it? Say, I'm going to. Stand even in the evil day. Now, the apostle Peter wrote in, um, in his writings, his letter, 1 Peter, his first letter, chapter 5, and he, he talked about our adversary walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not who he wills to devour, because he wills to devour all of us. No, it says whom he, the ones that he may devour. It's amazing what you remember. As a little kid, you know, in a school, 
one day, I can't even remember, I was probably six or seven or something, and I raised my hand to the teacher, because that's what you were taught to do if you had to go to the bathroom. And I raised my hand. Finally, the teacher said, Mark, what do you want? I said, I said, can I go to the bathroom? And she says, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> In other words, do you possess the ability or do you need someone to go with you, son? I said, no, I can, I can go alone. She said, the right word is may. May I? In other words, asking for permission. If Satan, if Satan could come into your life and mine and just strike us, you wouldn't be here this morning. You may not be alive. Now, he'd rather make you a double agent than kill you because that mocks God. If he can get you to be a Christian and live dirty, live wrong, talk dirty, talk wrong, claim to the whole world you're born again, but we don't see you at church hardly ever. You don't hardly ever open your... See, that's double agency isn't just smoking dope and drinking beer, though I would consider it that. You may not, but I would. Because Satan uses that. Oh, that's one of your sons. That's one of your... Look, look at what they're posting. And, and they say, and Satan would say, and they call me the accuser of the brethren? Look at the... These are your people, Jesus. And look what they're posting and tweeting. Look at the attack. Look how they're... And, and see, that's double agency. There's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. But we have to... We deny that. We know he's coming. But he's got to have permission. He walks. He can't be at your place and mine at the same time. He's not omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. He can send demons to your place and mine. He has a massive army. The Bible says one-third of all of the angels were sent to the earth, the fallen angels we call them. You might call them demons or evil spirits. They were cast to the earth. So the army's massed. Uh, it's massive in size, Satan's army. But, you know, uh, a little word of encouragement, greater is he that's in me, just me, than he that's in the world. Let alone, what if one or two or three of us really take this serious? What if, think about this, do you, what if every member of this church took Pastor Max serious, did what he said from the scriptures, attended every church service, attended every special thing he that he announced that this is important to us. This is important to you. Imagine the supernatural fear and tremor that your church would put through the atmosphere and Satan would immediately say, oh, don't mess with the living word. Back off, back off, back off. Go mess with a church that doesn't know this. Go mess with church people because if he can't get to you, he can't use you as a double agent to rub you under the nose of Christ and mock our very Christ by your lack of lifestyle in Christ. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. That's right. So he's got to come and get your permission. May I strike your marriage? Well, if he actually asked you that, I'm sure you'd say no. So he doesn't. He comes sometimes even as an angel of light. He'll just get you to quarrel, have strife in your home, strife in your marriage. You know, talk against the person you love. And then he goes, well, thank you for the permission. I'll strike your marriage now. You gave me permission by, the, by your attitude and the misuse of your mouth. I think you're understanding this, right? The same thing can happen to your church, especially when you become a member, a member, which I understand we're going to have the true member induction in the next service because you went through membership class.
to become a member now, you have an importancy you didn't have before as part of the unit of God. What if you're a leader? What if God says to Pastor Mac and the team, make you a leader, a department head? I don't know what all you, you know, different churches, the de- a deacon like the Bible says, or an elder or a board member or something. Now, now Satan wants to even more get you to slack off and be lazy because sooner or later he'll try to get you, now that you have authority in the church, to give permission to him to strike the very church that you love. I could never understand why people come to church, any church, and they pray and they give and they serve and they go to, you know, they're a good vessel, and then they leave. That's dumb enough. But leave and then curse the very work you built, gossip against the very preacher that saved your bacon, there's something really wrong. And it isn't the church they left. Isn't that amazing? Satan's looking for that. We must beware. Now, one of my dads was Dr. Lester Summerall. Your pastor knew him. And uh, he was, him and I were very close. I, I honored that man. But he was a guru in the supernatural things. And he taught us. He taught me. He said, now, Mark, you got to pay very close attention to Satan. Never lose track of him. Never lose track of demons. You got to ask God to show you, please hear this to show you what demons are chasing your family. Who has Satan assigned to you? What, what supernatural sniper is supposed to pick you off and uproot you and get you away from your good shepherd, Jesus, and your pastor? Get you out of what? And he said, if you don't know that, then you don't even know what enemy's attacking you, so how would you know to even address him? And I've discovered this. I could be overjudging, and I'll repent for it. But... It seems to me in my world travels, because I live among God's people, not every day, but pretty much I preach every day. And I notice that among God's people, I, I, it just seems like many of them pay no attention whatsoever to the spirit realm. Maybe you do. I hope that's true. I hope that's true. But I don't think a lot of people do. So they don't know where Satan's sneaking up on them. They don't know where the demons are sneaking up. So it just, they just keep attacking. If you can't locate your enemy, how do you even shoot back? This is just common, spiritual common sense. Are you listening to me at all? Yeah, yeah. You know, Peter also said in, those, in that first Peter chapter uh, book, he said, he walks about as a roaring lion Now, if you're a big-time hunter, safari hunter, you might know this phrase. If you lived in the jungle like me for a while, you really know this phrase. Their true phrase, a roaring lion, is an old lion that every other beast of the field feared because you were his lunch. But he got older and older, and his jaw wasn't as, couldn't function as tight. He couldn't attack. He couldn't run like he used to. His teeth are even uh, getting old, maybe falling out. And, uh, and so what does, he does is, what does he do? It's built into his system to make his roar louder. He didn't have to go to school for this. It's built in to roar because when he roars, 
all the other animals that were his prey for lunch and breakfast and dinner, they all hear that roar, and the louder it is, he don't even have to leave the position. The louder he is, the closer he seems to those who fear him. Peter said, this is Satan. He's not a big bad dude. He's not, he, can't, he can't eat your lunch and pop your sack unless you let him, unless you, unless you shake and quiver because of the roar. And he can get loud. He's a lion. He's a master liar, Satan is. So we're not going to bow down to some toothless agent that Jesus already smashed his head. We've been taught better than that here at Living Word. Is that not correct? We've been, we know how to use the name of Jesus. But there's something about this. Do you remember the story in the Bible about the sons of Sceva? Now, Sceva seemed to be a good old boy. He, ra- he must have raised his boys in church, or at least the church of that day, the, the kind of church they had, because they ran into a demon-possessed man, his boys. Now, think about that. They recognized that he had a demon. Think about that. Now, I don't want to sound offensive, but it seems to me like a lot of people today, including sons and daughters of the faith, they're fellowshipping with demon-possessed people. They don't seem to get it. They make excuse for demonic, diabolical activities and lifestyles. Well, they're nice people. Somebody's got to love them. No, no. Somebody's got to save them. Let's get this straight. The love of Christ saves them, not fellowships them. That's a topic for another day, but it's very, very important. Right? So they knew it. So they find, they bump into this guy. There's demons in there. They recognize it. And they go to cast it out. They were taught how to cast out demons. They were taught to use the name of Jesus. They, honor, they obviously listened to their hero preacher. Maybe Paul was their pastor. Because they say to the demons, you come out in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? Yeah. I wouldn't use any other name. Come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, they must have listened and watched Paul Cast out demons. I love these kids. I'm sorry they got their shirts torn and they got all beat up by this guy who was demon-possessed. And the reason they did is they knew all the terms and they had all the teaching, but they had no lifestyle to back up the name. The, the, the demon said, now wait a minute, you're casting us out? You're going to exercise us? The, and the demon said, now, Jesus we know. In fact, we know who Paul is. Now, who are you? Who are you exercising us, casting us out? See, they didn't have the walk with God, though they had all the information. Now, I would just politely ask you to examine yourself this morning. Is that you? Do you talk the talk? Do you know the teachings? I'm sure you do. Do you know how to use the name of Jesus? I would think so. I would think you would be able to discern if someone had demonic activity, especially if they were demon-possessed, and not invite them to your house for dinner, but cast a demon. I would think that would be the caliber of the kind of Christian that regularly attends Living Word right here and sits under a master teacher like this. I would think that. But you got to judge yourself. Do I live for Christ at the level that when I talk to demons, they're going to do what I tell them to do in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lift your hands anyways.
whether you are or not, say, Lord, I need to get this straight. Come on. All of you at home, just say, I need to get this part right here straight. I got to get this down. I love this verse in a modern, it's First Peter in a modern version. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on faith. I don't know if you get uh, Brother Copeland's magazine or not, but maybe the church could even make this available to you. Because one of the things I loved about this article, Mac, uh, Pastor Mac, is you define the difference between trust and faith. I seldom hear that. Yet there's a major difference between the two. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it says, the weapons of our warfare. Do you know these verses? The weapons, weapons. You have weapons. Do you know that? Do you know what they are? Do you know, could you, if I gave you a microphone right now, could you give me three, just three of the weapons of your warfare listed in your scriptures? Because my friends, if you don't know what the weapons are, I'll flat guarantee you, you're not using them. You have to be well-trained soldier of the cross, soldier of the light, whom God has well-equipped with weaponry. You've been weaponized against Satan and well-armored, the whole armor of God whether it's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and the whole list is there. Do you know it? Do you know how to put it on without mentally faking it, right? Like the, like the helmet of salvation, you don't pretend like you put on a combat helmet or an old Roman soldier. They, Satan knows you're pretending. You put on the helmet of salvation by making your thoughts subject to the word of God and saying, uh, not only is my mind renewed, but that's a wrong thought and I'm taking you to the Bible thought for a whipping. The best thing you could do to discipline your brain is every time it gives you a stupid thought, say, that's it, we're going to read the Bible for five minutes. I'm taking you to the washing well. We're going to wash you brain. That's how you put on the helmet of salvation. But what if you don't? Our God knew when he chose what pieces of armor to give you, he knew how Satan, hear me on this, would attack the human race and even attack Christians. He knew what part. Why is your backside not covered? See, God knew that we would take care of each other. We would have, a military term, we'd have each other six, six o'clock. Your, 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 the rear, and uh, we, would, we would be together. We wouldn't gossip against each other. We wouldn't pick on each other. We wouldn't belittle each other. We would be there for each other. That's the spirit of Christ. Can I have an amen on it? Amen. Yeah. But this, every piece of this armor, God knew, well, Satan will attack the mind with, with you know, false things and heresies and error. So when you put on the mind of Christ, nicknamed the helmet of salvation. You do that every day by studying the book, studying it with your pastor, learning how, how do I do this? How do I think like Jesus Christ? And that's what helps you, protects you 
as a, just like a combat helmet from the shrapnel of the enemy. So you don't get all these little heresies I, and errors. I noticed something. I don't like to say it, but, 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 but I won't say any names because I don't slander. But it's shocking to me how many preachers and teachers that we have listened to, even in times past, that so helped us. But now I'm wagging my head like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did you get that teaching from? Or, or worse yet, when I hear someone say there is no hell, I don't care how popular you are and how rich you are and how famous you are. This is dead wrong. The Bible says so. Besides that, I'm a Jesus guy. A while back, I heard a very famous preacher say, now we should not be following the teaching, I'm quoting it, have it memorized. We should not be following the teachings of Jesus, you know, because he was too harsh. And furthermore, his teachings are not for us today. Oh, thank you. If I told you the name of that preacher, most of you are putting your money into that same voice and you will reap what you sow. That's the problem. You sow into whatever field you sow into, that's where you're reaping from. So how could this be? How could the body of Christ, you, me, hear things totally contrary to what your very pastor taught you from here and ignore it, overlook it? I've, had, I've even had people say, I know, I know there's some error there, Doc. I know, I know there's a couple, it's, it's like heresy. But when he preaches, he brings me a lot of hope. What? That'd be my, me taking a glass of water, pure, take a little vial out, put one drop in there of something that will kill you in three seconds. And let me ask you, what, can you drink from that glass anymore? No. If, the, if my drop was colored red, would it stay a drop or would it, would it just kind of flow through the... You couldn't ever pick out again. That's what Jesus said. A little leaven, leaven's a whole thing. That's why your pastors, please get this. This is why you have to be in church. This is why you can't, you know, just live on the internet, take it in every voice you can. I know there's some good voices, but this is why you have to be pastored so that when the enemy comes and he is coming, he's here. Heresy and error. I've never heard so much heresy. I guess maybe some of the guys preaching didn't go to theology school like some of the rest of us did because they're just cutting across the things that we believe in. And by the way, the things that are true and by the way, the things that our pastors have taught us that actually do work. Everybody say they do work. They do work. They actually do work if you work them. Could it be, I hope not, could it be that many Christians have got so used to church and preachers, maybe your own pastor especially, because you know, uh, Pastor Max like a rock. I mean, he's been here four decades. So it's like, uh, you can, it's like a mama sometimes tugging on the little boy. The little boy's tugging on mama's, mama, mama, mom, mama. Well, mama's so used to that, it takes like 20 moms for her to say, will you just be quiet? But everyone around you is on the second mom. Will you listen to the boy? One time my Josh is here, he's a preaching machine now. He's out on his own, does his own thing. Still helps me, but. He's global now himself. 
But when he was just a little kid, we went fishing. I borrowed my buddy's boat, and we went fishing. And, and my buddy, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, he didn't put the little plug in the boat. And I was too dumb to look. So I, I get all the stuff in the boat. I get Josh in the boat. He's just a little squirt. And, uh, and, and I put the boat off the trailer. It's sitting in the water. And, of course, there's no plug, so it's taken on water. And so Josh is yelling at me, Dad, Dad, oh, Father. And I looked, and I see him waving. I thought he's just having fun. And, and uh, pretty soon he's yelling, and, he's, and he's, now he's standing on the, on the seat. And the boat's going down. And now he's doing just a little squirt. I tried to tell you. We're going down. We're going under. Boy, I could have saved myself a lot of laughs that day at the pier. Hey, buddy, your boat's going down. One guy said, one lady said, you want me to jump in there and save your son? I said, no, thank you, ma'am. You know, thank you, ma'am. That's my alarm. <laughs> I always say, another sermon has died. <laughs> we shall give respect to it. <laughs> Brother Copeland said, I was preaching for him this went off. He said, yeah, it takes taps to stop a Marine. <laughs> and so I challenge you today. Listen, guys, seriously. You're in a great church. Take full advantage of it. Not everybody has this. Thank you. That's true. Honestly, not everybody has this. You, maybe you don't get that. Maybe you ought to remember where you came from before you came here. Not everybody has life like this. Not everybody has, believe me, not everybody has a worship team like this. Not everybody has facilities. Not just this room, but all, all these different rooms and children's church. You got to get it. Not everybody has this. Not everybody gets to do this. I challenge you to take full benefit, full opportunity, full advantage of everything that's being offered you and your family here at Living Word. Then I challenge you to bring everybody you know. The word of this church should spread like the new hottest good food restaurant in town. Hey, have you been out there yet? Hey, have, you, have they got the best, you know? And people go to a restaurant, especially a new one, and before you know it, the word's all over town. Give it three or four or five days, so you can't hardly get in that restaurant. It's an hour wait, two hour wait. Well, they haven't even been there yet, most of them. They're going by word of mouth. We've got to rescue people now, my friends. This is it. You're a last day's church. You may not want to be. Too bad. So sad. Your end times people. I, I know the work. Many of us know the work this church has done for a long time. This is a stabilized house. I meant it when I said, your pastor's known as a rock, man. He's, you can't move him. He sticks to the Bible. He walks with God. You can't move him. And, uh, if you, and I know we don't exalt a man, but come on. With all the preachers in sin, preaching heresy, quitting, doing other... You're not going to tell everybody you know to celebrate the rock, the guy that never quits, the one that's always here for you, the one that's always preaching the word. And to have a church like this, wow, you're so blessed. You really are. And there's life here. Thank God there's life here. 
Now, I'm a, I, I pastor as well, but I'm mostly more like we would nickname me a traveling minister. Uh, I'm the guy that preached probably six nights a week for 35, 37 years. I don't go quite that much now because of uh, churches don't do like what they were doing since COVID. I don't know why. I mean, I understand COVID. I, I, we, we've lost, you know, not too many, but we've lost a couple of people to COVID. We don't make light of that. But I tell you what kind of bugs me. It, it probably does your pastor. I've taught faith for 40 years to the same people that now stay home because they're afraid. Or did they just... I'm not picking on you that are streaming, but I am talking to you. We're going to stay home now because what? We can wear our jammies, eat popcorn, and watch Pastor Mac? No, listen, I'm not belittling you. Some people, if you're sick, that's different. You know that. But a lot. it just seems like a lot of people, maybe not just at Living Word, I don't think. Well, I know it's not just at Living Word. I meant to say it may not be hitting you so hard. But I'll tell you this. There's a lot of churches that are only back about 40%. But people aren't homesick. They're not home with COVID. They're just home. They made a habit of streaming. And I, I've even had people write and say, I love you, Pastor. I'm faithful with my tithe. I Thank you for that. We appreciate that. We can keep working. You give us money, we spend it for God and to help people. We appreciate that. But, it, but it's not helping you. She, one lady said, well, you know, I, I can listen to you, Pastor, clean my house, you know, get things in order with my kids. It's like, what? What? Send them to school with a wrinkled shirt. It's not the unpardonable sin. But get your bottom end to church and get your kids in here. In fact, right now, in the name of Jesus, I call all Christians back to church everywhere because I know the stream here is big. It's not just living word. But if it is living word, I call you. Listen, I may not be your pastor, but I'm a man of God. I command you to attend church. I command you to break out of those other habits. I command you to rise up and get back and rub shoulders with the believers and be here and present your tithe and offering and be here for the fellowship of the saints in the name of Jesus. Clap real good. Come on, pastor. Clap real good. Praise God. Woo! Glory to God.